right, everyone, welcome back. Uh, this is Jennifer Klug for our next CEO Thought Leadership Series, and with us is Jason Grobel. Hello, Jason. Hello, Jennifer. How are you this morning? Good. It's good to see you again. All of a sudden, I'm craving a corned beef sandwich. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get started. Um, I, I have the pleasure of introducing you. Uh, you are running a five-generation family-owned business um, known as America's oldest corned beef specialist. Uh, and you made some recent acquisitions. One was a um, processor and the other was um, a produce specialist, including some pickles. Yum. Pickles and corned beef. I, I'm, I'm seriously getting hungry right now, Jason. And uh, I know you because you're a best and brightest company to work for here in our headquarters area, uh, which is Metro Detroit. So welcome, welcome, welcome. So, uh, Jason, tell us a little bit more. I, I mean, you've been in business for 130 years, uh, family-owned business. You're the, that's a lot of responsibility, making it to fifth generation. Uh, tell us a little bit more about your business and uh, what, what do we need to know about um, the products that you have? Well, uh, EW Global is in the business uh, of, of fine deli meats, and we have... Uh, obviously been doing that since 1883. Um, we have uh, one of our biggest specialties has been corned beef and um, we are we produce under the Grovels brand um, take home and boil corned beef distributed nationwide through stores like Walmart and Sam's Club and Publix and 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 others. Um, and then uh, we have uh, we have a, a wide following throughout uh, in the restaurant side of the business as well, uh, through major all the major restaurant distributors like Cisco in the U.S. and Gordon Food Service and 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 the like. Right. Um, you know we uh, we we also teamed up with Cy Ginsburg about five years ago, and uh, it's really been a terrific um, uh, team you know, teamwork effort. Um, Cy uh, loves being a part of of what we're doing and we love being a part of what he's doing. And together we're bringing uh, True Deli back to America. You know, it, it, uh, the deli tradition in a deli restaurant, Jewish style deli restaurant has been um, on the decline and oh, we're working very hard to restore to prevent that decline, restore and to rebuild. Oh, that's uh, exciting. Amazing tradition in America. Ah, that's exciting. You'll have to keep us in the loop on how that's going. And maybe in a few months we can circle back and and see what developments have made. That that makes me feel good. You're bringing back traditional deli. That's fantastic. Um, when you and I last spoke a, a few months ago, uh, you told me about a book, uh, Leading America Back to Work, Reimagining Today's Workplace. So tell me, you you wrote that book, right? Yes. And and tell me what inspired you to write the book, and then we'll talk a little bit more about the messages that you want to um, get across and make sure our, our audience today knows um, the lessons that you've learned and, and share them with them. So tell us a little bit more about that. Sure. Um, the... Um, you know, it was inspired 
by um, a, in a, a situation that occurred to us, our, our a challenge. Uh, we had a visit by ICE and um, the immigration uh, sir, folks. Yeah. And uh, they did an audit of our facility. And at that time, we had uh, uh, what ended up as a number of uh, undocumented workers. And in the end, you know, we had everything. Our paperwork was right. Um, we had the I-9s and all that. But um, the bottom line is they weren't real. So uh, although we weren't penalized for that in any, you know, we lost 50 very talented, um, oh, highly trained meat meat cutters, and it's a unique skill that is uh, not easy to replace. So um, we had a desperate uh, situation in our hands. This is about over 10 years ago, and um, we had to figure out how to re reinvent what we do, and um, that was part of the of the big inspiration um, because in our business, it's unforgiving. I mean, if we're not delivering right. product, they will go on to another, you know, it's, it's very cutthroat. It's very yeah. cutthroat your industry. Very, <laughs> it does. And that, that, that was almost very similar to what people have gone through in the pandemic. All of a sudden there's this emergency and you need to react to it. Right. Um, and plus that particular example all the emotions involved in it and the change in culture and the frustration. And I'm sure you care deeply about those 50 individuals that um, you had on your team. So it's tough stuff. It's tough stuff. So what is the message? Um, you and I chatted a little bit about this before, but you had mentioned some pillars uh, that you referenced. Can you kind of go through those pillars with us and in a little 30-second uh, overview of each um pillar in the book? Sure, uh, would love to. And what it helped us to do is to really say, wait a minute, we have um, we have a lot of people here um, in Detroit that um, that are looking for great opportunities. And how can we craft an environment that's welcoming to everyone? Um, you know, today the buzzword is DEI, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion. And, you know, it is a, it is an amazing and laudable um, endeavor and important. Um, but it just can't be a slogan. And it's not just, you know, checking some boxes. What we do um, is how you actually get there. And I want to share it with you briefly here. Please. Uh, um, and that starts the five pillars are number one it's a revolutionary process of recruiting um, number two is onboarding uh, number three is um, supervision N number four is evaluation and guidance and number five is uh, job uh, redesign, and uh, we can impact each each one of those. The the final one, the job redesign, is is really finding ways to break jobs down into components so that it makes it um, easy for people to 
to learn. Mm-hmm. You know, um, even Elon Musk has said well, one of his seven principles um, is they disallow um, acronyms and code words as part of you know the the speak at at their company because they don't want new employees to have to carry a glossary of terms to try to figure out what the older employees are are or the longer term employees are saying and uh, subconsciously some people use that as as a as a mechanism to protect you know the the employees that have been sure. there longer and yeah. they don't they don't want the newer employees to learn because then they make might make them look bad they they're they're afraid they shouldn't be afraid but they are so what what we do is with with breaking things down into components um and throughout this entire process whether it be the and, and it's like channeling our inner henry ford you know is yeah that's what yeah. he did you think about it over 100 years yeah. ago and if he was alive today you know he'd be he'd slap us for being because we don't do this enough right but he wasn't the nicest guy always but you know yeah no that's a that's but, another story right yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but you know he was he was driven and and the bottom line is that we can find ways to break things down to quickly learn a whole new way of doing things and there's still amazing opportunities in each and every mm-hmm. every industry to do that yeah we've Indeed. not even scratched the surface on how we can further break things down to allow people to to more quickly um, and it's important that they're able to quickly learn and adapt to find if they have a passion for what they do mm-hmm. but it that's on that back end of it um the first piece can of- i can i jump in here though because you said something very important um people get for lack of a better word lazy because it's easier than to continuously reinvent their organizations and companies and um you know it's very similar to blue ocean strategy what you're talking about and blue ocean strategy that you always say you need an emergency to get to the next level and you had your emergency That's right. you lost 50 of your meat cutters let's go back to that for a second how did you replace them so this book came from that situation sure. so how did you replace them you said you really worked on on finding candidates that needed jobs so how did you find them how did you train them how did you get those 50 spots filled well, for years and years, we we tried to um, see if we could automate the process of trimming briskets. It, it's uh, so far that's not that's not uh, <laughs> uh, even close to something we're able to do yet with technology. Certainly, um, so what we used to trim a whole brisket, and it would take four to six months for wow. a for an apprentice to learn how to properly trim that product. Uh, That just wasn't even possible for us. We didn't have that time. So what we did was we broke down the trimming of a brisket into eight separate steps. Mm. And it seems so obvious now, but it really was revolutionary to the way we do it or anybody does this product. Um, And we're able to, um, you know, by doing that, each person just focused on one step and and then passed it along. And before you know it, 
within two weeks, we could have someone up and running. So we wow. from four to six months down to two weeks to get uh, to get a, a reinvention proficient in that by reinventing the way we do it. And mm-hmm. um, now people think, well, if if my job is just is is more focused, am I fulfilled? Um, that that fulfillment, first of all, it's never that simple, right? Everything you could take to um, just another higher level in detail. Um, I, I'm passionate about racing. I don't. I'm not in motorsport motorsports, but if if I was afforded the opportunity to change the tire on the pit crew of a Formula One racing team, I would be all in on that. <laughs> and yet that seems so focused in particular, right? But why yeah. why am I excited about it? Because I'm part of a great a greater thing, you know. Right. Uh, right. And, and that's where culture it, comes in. That's where feeling yeah. like you're part of a family that's about taking care of your people. So when you had to to make that job, that yeah. one person job and you put it into eight steps and to take out the boredom, or, or that's not a good word, but to t- to make it interesting, that's where your culture came in. So right. let's shift gears because um, family businesses are a different breed. You're fifth generation. How many family members are in the business? Well, um, I kind of I, I I say when people ask how did we get to this to this time period, I say I kind of cheated. Um, <laughs> so. What does you cheating know. look like? Tell us. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if you have what what's so challenging in family businesses when you have, you know, first your first generation starts it out, then then siblings take it over, and now yeah. then you turns into cousins, and then it turns, you know, I mean, it, it yeah, just, oh yeah, like, second gets, cousins, third cousins, cousins once so, removed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's where. Uh, that's why family business can fail. Um, in our particular case, you know, I, my great grandfather had three sons. Only one of them, which uh, had a son that wanted to carry on the business, and um, that that was my father. So then it kind of went from, you know, one to three brothers, and then back to one, just just by fate. And then um, and then I ended up. Uh, buying out uh, my parents uh, in in the mid '80s, uh, and we were we were struggling a bit as a company at that time, and um, we had to work work out and uh, took it over and have built it uh, up since. Uh, what what I am passionate about is that's not this isn't in the book itself, but is how to bring family businesses forward in a completely new way. And I and I had um, the luck of stumbling upon that at um, the Entrepreneur of the Year conference out in uh, in Palm Springs, where I learned about the Hershen family down in uh, the Tennessee Valley area that operates amusement parks, and their motto is "Family owned forever, professionally run." Nice. And so that there they have the ownership. The family is on family council. They're not even on the board. Oh, interesting. And uh, the board represents that they represent. They're the owners. But as a family member, you can't sell your stock. 
Yeah, and let me clarify that for um, some of our, our viewers that don't know about family businesses. Usually in a family business, the family is the board. Um, and that's where all the tension and uh, dr lack of better word drama comes in. And so th this model is quite ingenious because you have the board, the real board, and then you have the family council that probably takes into effect what the um, uh, the board wants and, and vice versa. So very ingenious. Yeah, and, and there's um, a family constitution that's set up, which which outlines the rights and responsibilities uh, of the of the family members on the family council and they focus on you know sustainability and philanthropy yeah. and they they do share in dividends but uh other than that the so it's a third i would say because family businesses uh are are over the long over generations are usually doomed to fail yeah and with this model they're not the only other alternative is either public right right or um private equity, which is which is its own kind of a thing. And um, I've talked to this about a lot of people in, you know, in, in the banking level and and and, and planning. And, and it's surprisingly how um, how uh, um, unknown this concept is. And, and right, I, right. I, I would love to. I'm working on another book. About I was it. just going to say, you have to write another book on family business and Sorry, how to get to the fifth generation. Question for you, Jason, is there going to be a sixth generation? Uh, oh, absolutely. We're yeah? Working. That's great. <laughs> They're not great. here yet, but uh, <laughs> I, uh, my oldest daughter is married, and uh, and then um, I have a son and daughter who are both engaged. So oh, uh, we're great. heading in the right direction. So Sounds I'm, like you have a few I'm a more very years, hopeful, <laughs> I'm a very hopeful future grandpa. Ah, that's great. Congratulations. Um, so let's shift gears uh, again. Um, you know, your industry is what I, I personally like to look at your industry, manufacturing and food industry as um, a leading indicator. Now we know, we know what's going to happen pretty quick. Um, so for other CEOs listening now, and they're in different industries, there is so much going on. Um, um, you know, the whole industry has been through a lot in the last two and a half years. What are you seeing now? And are there any industry indicators that we all should know about so we can plan and prepare our businesses for the next six months? Sure. Um, well, that's a that's a tall order that question right now and uh, um, I appreciate you even um, asking me that because <laughs> I I wish I knew I wish I could see the crystal ball of yeah there's no crystal never, ball <laughs> I'd, I'd have to say and I I think anybody who's being reasonable would admit that we're heading into um, a very challenging time where we've done some radical things um, economically. Um, and some some forced, some unforced errors. Um, you know, you know, we have to decide. This this debate on energy has to be decided. I mean, um, it, and you know, if we're gonna just, you know, throw all caution to the wind and go towards you know all sustainable all at once, or are we going to take a measured approach? And um, right now, 
it seems to be all at once and that's causing obviously causing disruption a, a, a lot of disruption and in, in, in energy is clearly you know yeah it's every, important we all need it we all need about it energy with whatever industry so it so it affects everything that's a huge issue right now and and we need to we need to have we need to return to balanced debate about that we we don't really have enough um open a balanced debate in that area. Yeah. So um, I was that, in a that, room with uh, CEOs last week, and that was the topic is sure. um, the regulations in, in gas and coal industry and, and the movement towards um, clean energy and the best way to do it. Sure. What is the best way to do no, it? Nobody, everybody wants a clean environment. Like, you know, in, yeah. in the end, we all, the endeavors of everything we do are simply for the family. Yeah. And, what about uh, you know, supply that, chain, Jason? Is, has the supply chain, we have um, other uh, best and brightest um, companies out there that are in the food industry and their sourcing of ingredients right now has been a challenge. Are you finding any of that? Yeah, certainly. And um, you have to be extremely um, creative and adept at navigating uh, to make sure you, you can even run. I mean, and many people are are reduced by it. Um, part of it is, you know, and, and so one of the things I talk about that happened in the pandemic as a result um, is of, of, of everything that occurred is what I call PTSD. Yeah. Uh, and I believe that a significant part of the population, not just of the United States, but of the world is suffering uh, dramatically for PTSD um, and, and so burnout, people, leadership burnout, employee burnout, wellness just, and well-being, anxiety, all it's of it. The anxiety piece that's the greatest, and and so people would think, you know, well, wait a minute, how can you compare that to to a soldier in battle, somebody who who watched horrific things happen, maybe their their fellow soldiers get, you know blown up or whatever and and witness some that tragedy that extreme trauma and that that can have a tremendous effect on our psyche no matter how strong you think you are well the same thing happens in little bits over time like as they call you know uh, mm -hmm. the, the traditional chinese water torture where yeah you know it's just a drip on the forehead but it turns out if you do that for 48 hours straight you will literally go mad. And um, the same thing happens of two years listening to the media talking about how many people are dying of COVID. Yeah. And if you do that to people sustainably over that period of time, um, they become dramatically affected. As a result, we have a lot of people who are not returning to work worldwide. And you just, and, and so why yes. anybody would be even, even um, shocked at this is beside me. Like to me, it's as obvious as you know, day and night. Um, we don't have people back to work, and in, it's in they, every they, element. They're done. They're burnt out. Made, they it's made they need worse. to rest. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're emotionally broke down, but but unfortunately, they're the people who have to make things so that everything that we need isn't getting made. 
So this is an economic yeah. crisis. That's what that is. And, and we talk a lot about this, Jason, as far as talent, the talent shortage. Um, during yeah. the pandemic, people couldn't come in from other countries to work. You, you had moms that needed to stay with the kids. You had um, people close to retirement that weren't planning on retiring, said, I'm done. I've had enough. And out they go, which was the big yeah. population. And uh, it's it's just been an interesting ride. Um, and then you have you have leaders that uh, had to deal with fear, fear of life in the workplace that never had to deal with that before. Um, it, we we should all just pat ourselves on the back that we we got this far, um, and but, take but, a moment but, to appreciate um, right. thriving businesses despite it. Um, and, and so let's circle back to uh, how to how to um, go forward, okay? Because we can talk about what, what we are, what, what we went through and, and, and how we were there. But in going forward, um, this book is more important than ever because as we're struggling for resources, um, what, what employees are realizing, they, you know, they wanna work at a place where they feel fulfilled. And this right. goes back to that, that statement and, and how we create that culture. Without creating that culture, there's no way forward for a business right now. Right. I mean this. It it and I and I whether you use the, the principles in my book or there's other there's other great ones out there. Don't you know, don't get me wrong. I, I'm not um but you need to have a guide to to do this and you need to take it seriously or you will not be able to go forward um, in the next several years. I absolutely I believe that. And, I, and I also further believe, I think that's gonna be a permanent thing because people know better. They wanna be part of something. So remember me talking about the analogy of being on a Formula One race team or sports, right? Why do people work so hard? Sports is, the thing that people can relate to that has a noble mission. Mm -hmm. Its noble mission is winning. And of course, if you make it to the big leagues, you also get a big payola, right? And so <laughs> every, every young, well, not every, but many young people dream of being a superstar athlete, right? And so the question is, is that the only way? How do we create that same feeling in each and every job because we are all superstars and unfortunately the leadership does many times an inadequate job of of identifying that i use the example of even let's say window washing and every job every every i should say every organization has to have a noble mission so even if we have a company of something that's seemingly mund mundane or menial as window washing, which I happen to think is um, a great thing, uh, what our mission is, an example of a mission is we help those of us inside mm -hmm. see God's beautiful world outside more clearly. Nice. So that's an example of a very noble mission. But right. let's say my job on that team was to do to install the little rubber strips on the squeegees for the squeegee teams. They don't want anybody but me doing it because I'm the best in the world in installing that. Because when I put it in there, I, I make sure it's taut 
and it's trim. It, I put a little tight, little fine trim with a razor on the edge. So when they use it to squeegee the window, it's it's streak free the first time, and it makes their job twice as easy. They make the world sparkle more. So exactly right. So you see yeah. how each and every the every step of the way depends on each other. We're all links in a chain, but yeah. but but most people aren't aware of it. And because they're not aware of it, they don't understand the critical nobility of what they do and how important they really are. Right. And and that is explored and in, in, in great detail in this uh, in in the book and how to how to get there. Um, in each step Jason, of the way. How can and, and people, how let me, can people let me get the book? It all, oh, yeah. it swims, all these concepts, those five pillars swim in the amniotic fluid of a culture of respect. And that's why you're a best and brightest company to work for right there. You, you just described it beautifully. How can people get your book? Um, well, it's available on Amazon in, in printed form. And on Audible, uh, and uh, uh, for those who prefer to listen in the car, or yeah, or, uh, yeah. or whatever, or just sitting at the beach. <laughs> well, let's do this, Jason. You, you're such an inspiration. It's so wonderful to be chatting with you. Um, let's take off your CEO hat for for just a second, and, and let's what I, let's do what I call rapid fires. Get to know you as a human, um, because I think that's. Um, that's an issue within our cultures too. People look at people by title versus them as humans, especially leadership. So let's talk about you as a human. Uh, what is your favorite meal or food outside of pickles and corned beef? I might add. <laughs> I, I didn't know there was another meal. Was there another <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> oh gosh. Any hobbies? Do you have any hobbies? I do. I love boating. Um, and, um, I, I do, I love reading, of course, and, uh, um, you know, especially I, I, uh, I'm no good at golf, but, uh, <laughs> so but do you enjoy I, I tried, it though? <laughs> I, I tried that. Well, you know, I enjoy, I enjoy, uh, the camaraderie, yeah. um, and, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's about it. What do you do when you first wake up? Wow, it's a good question. Um, boy, i i get a I get a cup of espresso. I'm I'm a an espresso fiend. <laughs> yeah, straight to the coffee. Me too. Me too. And then, uh, and then I, you know, and I just uh, I start going through um, all the, of course, like everyone, all the emails and mm -hmm. and texts of things, and I get right into my day. First. I get right into my day. You know. Um, in, 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 in my role, um, I don't, I, we have a great team and I'm just there as, as support and to be a cheerleader. And so people feel free to, to call me for support. And, um, yeah. and I, I enjoy doing that. And, uh, so. How do you, how do you manage your stress? What things do you do to manage stress? You know, um, so I like to tell people, my name is Jason. <laughs> I'm, re I'm a recovering perfectionist. And mm -hmm. it's been uh, eight and a half years since I've had an outburst. <laughs> um, so, you, you know, we can all incredibly 
uh, manage stress. One of, the, one of the most inspirational books that's helped me to do that is The Four Agreements by yes. Dr. Miguel Ruiz. Um, I highly recommend that one. Uh, and, you know, there's others. Happiness is a Choice was a great book. Um, and then, um, uh, but however, you know, finding ways to um, to to not take things personally and to realize that it that you don't want others to live in your head. You you have the control of that and you, you just have to take that on. It's something that you practice over time. And if you do, it gets it it really gets easier and easier. There's no doubt about it. It's but it, it it's like anything. It's a skill that's learned. And you have to learn that skill to do that, especially if you're in uh, and, and it varies with individuals. If you're a person who's driven, right, mm -hmm. you're going to experience stress if you don't right. have a way to manage that and, and, and practice that. Wonderful. All right. So let's end it with with this question. You have 10, 20 year olds uh, in a room and they want life advice. In in thirty seconds or less, what advice would you give them? Wow, good one. Um, you know, take your time. Work hard at whatever you're doing, and what you love will find you. Nice. Very nice, Jason. Well, thank you again uh, for joining us today. It's been a pleasure talking with you. And and I, I knew we had to have you on, on our LinkedIn Live when I talked to you last and you talked about culture and noble winning in your book. And just congratulations to you on all of your success and keep fighting the good fight. And I would love to circle back with you in, in several months and see how everything's going with you. But congratulations again. It's been wonderful having you. And thank you for all your words of wisdom. Oh, well, thank you so much, Jennifer. You you have great passion in what you do as well and, and, and what this organization does to help companies. Um, you're helping companies to become better at what they do just by celebrating that. And um, that's 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 a beautiful thing and a noble mission. And thank you for that. Thank you. That is indeed the why we do it. Um, we do it to make lives better. So thank you so much. It's been wonderful having you. Everyone have a good day.